Welcome to What's Left to Do. I'm your host, Janelle. This week's interview is with Chigoze Onyema, former candidate for city council in Newark, New Jersey, and community organizer. Chigoze is also a former classmate of mine from Howard who used to pillory my raggedy ass liberal views before I saw the light. Um, This was a really interesting interview for a zillion reasons, but mostly to hear his understanding of how and why power and betrayal function on the left. We get into that in part two, but we start with Chigoze, a first-generation Nigerian-American, growing up with a bit of an attitude before learning how to constructively channel it. All right. Well, today I have the honor of sitting down with yet another bison who has a politic that does not make me roll my eyes into the back of my head. (laughs) Uh, And it's only fitting that uh, I got a ride to interview him from someone who voted for him very recently in his dogfight of of a campaign. Uh, Newark's own, Howard University's own, uh, Chikose Onyuma. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for coming through. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is going to be such a dumb interview. Great. Uh, How have you been? Because you've had a dynamic, shall we say, uh, 2022 so far. Yeah, I've been good. I've been good. Uh, Slowing down a little bit. Yeah. uh, Taking some time to catch my breath. Yeah. I feel like we've been speeding for the last 13 or so months. (laughs) That's right. That's right. It feels good to kind of just take it easy now. Okay. I'm I'm glad we were. So I was I was trying to I was trying to get to interview Chigose last year, but he was in the he was in the throes of uh, a local campaign. But this is probably as fortuitous a time as ever uh, to get to grab you to be able to interview you, um, you know, in the (laughs) the wake the post campaign wake Um, so so i'm glad that you were able to make time um i am real excited to dive in because you are one of the few people who used to give me work when i was like a (laughs) a spicy lib like at the end of college wow we have come a mighty long way uh but uh you you life started off for you in newark yes Yes. grew up in newark yeah started in newark Mm -hmm. Uh, so i grew up in newark and maplewood Ah. um so i uh my family came to the united well my father came to the united states in the late 70s uh, in the late 70s. And um, I don't know what year, but I just do know it was in the Carter administration because my father always emphasized that uh, we are Igbo. Yes. Uh, he grew up in Nigeria and moved to Cameroon and was in Cameroon during the war. So he didn't fight during huh? the uh, Civil War. Uh-huh. But, in the uh, 70s. In the uh, six, late 60s uh-huh. and it ended in the uh, 70. Uh-huh. Um, so 67 to 70 about. Um Came to the States, moved to the West Ward, where I ended up running, mm-hmm. uh, moved into the Ivy Hill Apartments. What are the Ivy Hill Apartments that, that, holds, Hill, a, that holds a place in Newark history? No? Yes, it's the it's actually currently the largest, if I'm not mistaken, the largest apartment complex in the state right yeah. now. I think ever since they tore down all the projects, I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure it's the largest. Um, and it's kind of referred to as the United Nations because huh. so many immigrants from so many parts of the world come. Huh. So um, one thing that I always say is funny is that the West Ward, which is a pre- overwhelmingly black ward, um, has an Asian population that reflects the United States population. Huh. And that's because so many Asians live in the Ivy Hill apartments. Ah, I see. So, um, or a significant chunk of Asians live in I- Ivy Hill apartments, I'll say. And when I say Asians, I'm referring to Afghans. I'm referring to, you know, people from all over the uh, all over the continent. Okay. Um, and my mother came to this country in uh, 84. Also from brother, Nigeria? Also from Nigeria. Okay. Grew up probably less than a mile from my dad. Did. Oh, wow. Uh, so my dad returned to Nigeria looking for uh, a to family. Yes. <laughs> and uh, he found my lovely mother. Sure. And uh, she eventually came to the States. And they both moved into Ivy Hill. And I was born in Hill Manor. So I was born in a different part of Newark, mm-hmm. which is just a building um, on Martin Luther King Boulevard. Um, lived there for some time, and then my family moved to Maplewood. Ah. So I went to middle school and high school in Maplewood. Okay. Um, and so uh, kind of came of age not far from here. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, 
got involved in politics in part because of the experiences I had in Maplewood. Growing um, up? Growing up, yeah. What, yeah. Uh, tell me what you mean. Well, so uh, in Maplewood, we have a leveling system. So we organize students into ability groups. Ah. Um, Is and that, that another way of saying tracking? Tracking, exactly. Okay. exactly. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, so we had a tracking system and uh, in six, it begins in sixth grade. Mm-hmm. And for me, um, I was organ- I was put in a higher level when I first when we first started. But I got moved around because of a range of behavioral challenges. And we're going to get there. Don't think that we're <laughs> don't think that we're going to wave our hand and not talk about that. But go ahead. Uh-huh. Um, and so, but what I realized, like over the course of like being in middle school and high school, was that you know all the black kids, of course, were in the lower levels, and the white kids were in the higher levels. Uh-huh. And you know, it was hard for me to accept that that was because somehow they were just smarter than us. Sure. You know, so because I was of course close with many black people, and um, I know how brilliant <laughs> as a we black are. person, yes. absolutely. <laughs> um, uh-huh. And so, uh, so. Uh, I had a I had a teacher, Miss Cooper, uh-huh. who ultimately became a professor at Rutgers. She's a history professor, mm-hmm. and um, you know she started to give me language to understand what was happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, she taught me about race and class, and mm-hmm. kind of you know would would offer books to kind of think about what that meant. Before you before she started talking to you about race and class, how did yeah. you understand that growing up? Um, you know, I guess I thought that the world was the way it was because some people worked hard and some people didn't. Ah. So a meritocratic kind of view of the world. Yeah, uh-huh. generally speaking. Uh-huh. I mean, I slowly began to see it as slightly different. I mean, I was one. Of, I actually started reading on my own, like mm-hmm. not just books that were recommended for me in uh, in school. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably sometime in high school, I remember, remember reading the autobiography of Malcolm X mm-hmm. because I had an ex girlfriend who had it on her shelf, and I said, "Yo, can I borrow that?" Yeah, yeah. And so just read it, you know. Um, and so that began to slowly introduce me to different things, mm-hmm. but I still didn't have the language to really understand it. And so mm-hmm. she helped sort of form that for me, solidify that language for me. What around that around that sixth grade time with this teacher? What? No, what, so I'm sorry, that teacher's from high school. Oh, sorry, so sorry, it took sorry. me a while. Okay, yeah. okay, but around that, the what was the after of that 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 uh, coming to understand race and class through language? What what did you then begin to believe and understand? Yeah, I began to understand that you know the world was organized in a way that benefited a few people. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and way and and didn't benefit the the vast majority of people. Oh. That there was a reason why you know so many spaces were predominantly white. Whether it was the highest level in schools, mm-hmm. whether it was who became attorneys or who got a chance to own homes, mm-hmm. and why certain people didn't. I understood. I better understood the legacy of slavery and how it continues to sort of harm harm black communities. I understood how you know folks were discriminated against. I understood how people resisted it as well. Yeah, and helped to sort of you know build some of the things that we have today. Mm-hmm. So. Um, she sort of helped me kind of see the world as as, as dynamic, ah. not fixed too, right? Ah. Because I think it was important not only to understand that the world was like, was, uh, you know, not equal, but that it could be changed. Ah. And so she taught me that it could be changed and sort of challenged me to sort of, you know, okay, well, what you going to do to kind of change it? Okay, you, you, you don't think that when you look in the classroom and you see all white people and, the, and you know it's a high level, if you don't think that that's correct, if that's right, what are you, what are you prepared to do about it mm-hmm. too? Mm-hmm. And, but in a very gentle and kind sure, way, of sure, course, sure, doing sure, that. Sure. And at the same time, I had a good friend of mine who was already running for the school board. So in high school? Was, in high school, yeah. Oh. So he actually ran his senior year. Uh-huh. Um, and by the time I graduated, we ran together uh, our first year of college. So I actually mm. went to community college. I actually didn't get in there. I applied to Howard. Yeah, Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. didn't get in right away. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, they eventually welcomed a brother. <laughs> <laughs> so when I was at community college, we uh, we ran mm. and uh, began to try to, like, you know, put some of those issues into the public discourse. Ah. You know, because I, I, I see electoral politics as both, you know, trying to seize power to make change, uh-huh. but also as a way to sort of lift up issues uh-huh. uh, and give you a sort of platform to talk about what's important to you and the community that you uh, uh-huh. belong to. I see. So. Interesting. Okay, we're going to get back there. But sure, sure. you said that you you just said a couple minutes ago that you uh, initially when you all moved to the suburbs of Newark to Maplewood, you were you were initially tracked in the gifted on the gifted level or the gifted track, but then you got moved around for behavioral issues. Yeah. What was what was going on? <laughs> but like what, what were like were you hell on wheels in school or like did you have like an attitude problem growing up? Like what what was happening? I think it depends on who you ask. Okay, you know? I'm at, okay. Um, what would your what would your siblings and your parents how would they have described you as a child? I think I was always seen as a bit of a troublemaker growing up. Tell me what you mean by that. Um, well, I can say this. So, for example, I remember when I was in kindergarten. Okay. Uh, when I was in kindergarten, you know, we had to get our or was it? I don't know if it's like preschool or kindergarten. I yeah, don't remember, yeah. but we had to get our cots and lay on our cots uh, for nap time. Yeah. I always had to drag my cot next to the teacher and I just always had to lay next to the teacher. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that was like a thing for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember in middle school that like um, it got to a point where um, 
I was no longer allowed to eat lunch with the eighth graders. I was in eighth grade, couldn't uh-huh. eat lunch with the eighth graders. Uh-huh. So they decided that, you know what, like you're just creating too much problems. Uh-huh. We're going to have you eat your lunch in this office uh-huh. and, you know, stop bothering But what was it? Would you, were you, were you cracking too many jokes? Were you a smart ass? Were you disruptive? Were you a bully? Like, what was it? I don't think I was a bully, but I might have been. Uh, I don't, you know, it's, it's always hard for me to understand lying. what I did. No, I was Stop definitely lying. not a bully. Never. What was never. it? Just I don't really tell know. the truth. Just, you know, I think I, I probably marched to my own drum to some extent. Tell me what you mean by um, that. Like, I think that, you know, if something didn't make sense to me, I said it. Okay. If something you were seemed outspoken. silly, I was all very outspoken. Okay. Yes. If something seemed silly, I didn't do it. And I also think sometimes when, um, you know, some things that we might might do in class might come a little bit easier. So that gives you more free time to do what you want to do. Uh-huh. And, you know, I didn't, you know, if I didn't feel like doing homework, I didn't do it. Like, uh-huh. if I didn't, you know, I was kind of that kind of person. Uh, um, so but, you're a bit of a, a bit of a, a bit of a rebel, a bit of a, a bit of a, a bit of a smart ass. Um, <laughs> I think you said the smart ass part, but yeah. Yes. Okay, I'm sure if you, if I were to ask your fucking kindergarten teacher who d- didn't know peace during that time because of you, she might have. She might. Miss Easley loved term. me. If Miss Easley is still around, I'm sure she'll say she loved me. Uh, <clears throat> but you were. You just kind of. You didn't. You didn't necessarily toe the line that you were expected to toe as a child. Yes, probably with, right. with respect to maybe authority or instruction. Yes. Ha. Huh. I think I had to value authority in order to sort of. You know, what, when when were the times that you did value authority? Um, I think that like, you know, I think my parents to some extent, like uh, not in all cases, but certainly, sure. um, you know, my father always like let me know that education was important. Of course. So I took it seriously, even though maybe I didn't take school seriously, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like I always valued, for example, reading. You know, my father, I remember, you know, if you finished your homework, read, you got to go read. Mm-hmm. Like and if you say, oh, I don't have homework today. Well, read. Mm-hmm. I always kind of knew that there was some value in it. Yeah, and yeah. so I think I grew I don't not initially a love for reading, but sort of first in understanding that it was important. Yeah. And then after trying to do it, mm-hmm. I grew to, you know, like it a little bit more. I got you. So um, I always say that, you know, to the extent that I have a love for reading, my father introduced it to me in a uh, very disciplinary way. Sure. Of course. But, he's uh, Nigerian. That's right, that's right. <laughs> I think he's uh, I think he has a lot of responsibility for that. So I think in that sense. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I think that Miss Cooper, you know, I love Miss Cooper dearly. Mm-hmm. There's probably nothing she could have asked me to do that I wouldn't have done. Uh-huh. But I think she also showed a love for me. Uh-huh. And so it becomes, she showed you respect and love. Therefore, you you were able to allow her authority to. Yeah. And she created a space of respect and love. Uh-huh. Like, I felt like the whole classroom kind of. I see. She 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 did a really good job of that. Like she uh-huh. and it wasn't like, you know, I think her politics were clear in some respects, but she she invited a whole range of conversation in hmm. there, hmm. you know, um, and she sort of gently guided me personally, I can say, mm-hmm. um, and I think there's a lot of other people who would uh, have similar um, mm. thoughts about Interesting. her um, her in high school. So were you so were you in terms of um, how people would have described you as a student? Were you were you not a good student, per se, with respect to the grades you got? But but just, but you would still be described as studious to a certain extent. I think that's right. I think people huh. would, would accept would, would probably say that. I mean, I, I mean, my GPA was embarrassing <laughs> out of high school. You know what I'm saying? Like it was like what's embarrassing? Like uh, worse than Melek embarrassing? Because I think my brother said he he didn't have a 2.0. Yeah. Like at some yeah, wait, wait a yeah, minute. Absolutely. Yeah. Why yeah. was it that low? You just you didn't do shit. Uh, sometimes. Um, like, you, you know, so I don't know that I got this is bad. I mean, freshman year. <laughs> was so low it was crazy like how did you why did you what okay for the first time i went to i had to go to summer school Uh i failed gym and biology Uh um you know and the fail it's hard to fail gym you know i'm not like were you skipping no i came late a lot i was late often Uh and i had gym first so that kind of created some problems sure biology no just you (laughs) You just weren't into it yeah it's kind of you know you kind of chill out do what you feel like doing that day Uh um so that became a challenge you know but yeah, I had a pretty low GPA. I remember at one point first seeing it and realizing it was a 1.6, I think. Ah. I don't know if I graduated with that, but I know that there was one point when we were applying to colleges. Uh-huh. I saw that. Now, my weight, there, there was an unweighted and a weighted. I think my weighted mm-hmm. was higher, though I can't quite remember it, because mm-hmm. if you took a, a high-level class, yeah, well, yeah. no APs for me, but oh, high-level. Honors, yeah. Honors, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um you got more points somehow. Yeah, I don't yeah, know how they did it, but uh-huh. but yeah, unweighted. I remember seeing that, and I was like, "Oh, wow!" Did this create problems at home? Like, what the? F- how the fuck did you come home to two Nigerian parents know, with a, know, with a one point anything? I know it's pretty bad. Um, <laughs> you know, it did for a while, but it was an interesting. You know, I had an interesting relationship to like 
school and all of that. Like it was that they understood and they allowed. It was just like, well, he's gonna time, do what the fuck he wants. I think over time they did, but I think it was funny. I remember, um, I remember I took my SATs for the first time, mm. and I like you know didn't study, just walked in over and took it, didn't do well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then my father sat down and said, you know, like. Um, right now people are going to say you have a lot of potential mm-hmm. but if you keep doing this they're just going to call you stupid <laughs> so you got to go ahead and like take it seriously yeah. and I said oh, I got you I'm going to like really do it this time uh-huh. so I studied and I did much better oh, you okay. know what I'm saying okay. so I think that there was always a sense that I could huh. do it yeah. but now but at some point you got to actually do it yeah and, um so yeah, I think they made some space for that over time. Huh. I think it was we had rough years and some rough patches. I can imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. But eventually we got it together. Though. Were you the? Were you the? Where were you in the pecking order? Little child. Okay. I was a well, child. that's probably I was three or that's five. why you had an attitude problem. Yeah, okay, that's great. What some people say. <laughs> <You're you know. laughs> that's, that's exactly what, what it was. Say. Okay. Huh. Interesting. Um, so yeah. Did you? Hmm. What do I want to ask you next? Did you have an understanding of your parents like? politic and or ideology you know my dad watched the news and stuff like that so i knew it was important uh-huh. um but in terms of their ideology nah because they weren't progressive uh why do you say that um you know they were very much the sort of seeing the world as like you just got to work hard uh-huh. in order to get the outcome they didn't sort of see the they didn't at least they didn't articulate the structural challenges that uh-huh. so many people face because uh-huh. they looked at their own lives and thought about how they came to the country uh-huh. you know their journey through school their journey through professions mm-hmm. and like figuring it out mm-hmm. and just sort of assumed everybody could do that uh-huh. um and so like a classic immigrant kind of outlook that it's just like kind of not necessarily apolitical but uh just you know the 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 outcome of your life is you know purely a function of of hard work and you know you can you know achieve some semblance of the american dream just that that is what is important absolutely Uh and the people who don't achieve it then just have chosen on some level uh, not to work hard ha, ha, because ha, ha. the opposite becomes true too. Sure. And if so many people, particularly people who look like you have mm. just chosen not to do it, what is that saying? Uh, you know what I'm saying? I don't think that they always ask that second question. I see. You know what I'm saying? And so I think, but did w- you internalize that? Did you, did you internalize your parents kind of, um, I don't want to, did you internalize your parents kind of idyllic view of striving as a very, as a very young child, wherein, uh, and I, mm-hmm. you can walk with me here because sure, sure. uh, uh, I, I think you and I have both kind of seen this phenomenon wherein like a lot of oftentimes a lot of uh, children, first generation children of immigrants from anywhere, you know, but particularly black ones, uh, they, they come to see themselves as uh, better or 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 more noble or more hardworking or more deserving than black Americans because it's like, OK, well, my parents were able to come here and do this. How come, you know, you you live in the projects or or you're not, you know, in the advanced classes or you're not, you know, X. Like, did you come to was there some internalization of that early on or did that always seem kind of curious to you? Yeah, I think it seemed curious, but I think there was always an antagonism, right, between, huh. like, let's say my parents being Nigerian-Americans. And I think they there was – it was sort of a um, – on the one hand, feeling like you were not accepted, right? So, you know, you have these accents that are heavy. You have people mm-hmm. making fun of you. Mm-hmm. And so that's sort of like if my mother first comes to this country and she goes to community college and every time you speak and somebody laughs, like, yeah. you begin to see, like, oh, these people don't like me. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so I think there was some element of that, sure, right, sure, that sure. you sort of – it goes both ways. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then I think that, but I also had my friends weren't Nigerian. Mm. My friends were all, you know, I mean, some were Haitian, some were Jamaican, yeah. some were just black, you know, black folks from you know the states. And I think that, you know, so it was hard for me to internalize. Like I didn't have any like um, condescending view toward them. So and I knew their parents, oh, and I okay. knew they're like you know. Uh-huh. So I didn't kind of see it that way with them. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I recognized that there was like this idea that somehow mm-hmm. other people ain't working hard. I see. You know, I, I, see. I, I certainly recognized that uh-huh. even if I didn't have language for it. I gotcha. Yeah. Interesting. Did you, did you have uh, pre your, the teacher in high school who really brought race and class to the fore for you as such, did you have a sense of your, of you and your family's uh, class standing growing up? Maybe um, not as such, but did you, how did you think about like, the conditions of your life, like more or less, most people live like me or like, holy shit, everybody lives way better than we do. Or like everybody has is or most people are way worse off. Like, how did you? Yeah, I think I position probably it. thought that I think early on probably assume most people live like me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I remember um, the first time when we first moved and we had like an upstairs, like there was an upstairs and a downstairs. Mm. I thought it was incredible. Like that, two <laughs> no, floors. So I remember that and it made me feel like I was in a sitcom, you know, because you had the sitcoms <laughs> where somebody storms off upstairs sure. for some reason. And I thought that that was so dope. Man. Uh-huh. I want to be grounded. You know, you like say you're grounded, then they storm off and I wanted that. <laughs> and so I thought it was like super dope. Mm. Um, but um I don't know if I ever thought that like most people don't live like me, I guess, until you begin to think about where you were, you know, because, mm. for example, like Hill Manor, like I remember Hill Manor, not vividly, but fairly well. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, I mean, talking about the apartments that I grew up, uh, that I started off in in Newark. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was there was some real challenges from there to moving to your home. I mean, elevators not working, mother getting robbed, cars getting stolen. Like your mom got robbed. Absolutely. Oh, how did you make sense of that? You know, it didn't sound, it was crazy, but I guess it didn't, I didn't interrupt anything. Uh, I just knew you could get, like, robbed. But that know? didn't, like, that didn't scare the shit out of you? That didn't, like, provoke some, like, lifelong anxiety in you? Not is... for me. Maybe for, uh, I, at uh, the time, no. Huh, interesting. Okay. At the time, no. Um, you know, I think for me, I just remember, like, you know, like, the elevator not working and that kind of sucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. that was kind it's of the things I remember. Yeah. I gotcha. I didn't remember, like... I can't. I I, did, I certainly didn't appreciate how like getting robbed, getting your car stolen. Mm. Somebody put. I remember a dog being in a car. You go into your car and there's a big dog in. It's like trying to play a joke on you. Like oh. you know, just all kinds of weird stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do know that you know in Newark was for a while it was quite a bit of car theft. Yeah. And so I don't speak Ebo, uh, oh. um, because my parents didn't you know didn't teach, okay. teach us yeah, Ebo. Yeah. But there's some words that I know. Uh-huh. One of them is where did you park? Uh, you know what I'm saying? Because growing up, I remember them asking each other all the time to sort of have oh, a sense of I where see. the car was. Interesting. Um, and because, you know, cars were yeah. a thing. I mean. You you needed them to get to and from work. You certainly yeah. did. Uh-huh. You needed to be there when you got yeah, downstairs. That's right. But um, but no, I don't think I internalized it. Uh-huh. No, I didn't think that much of it. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, I don't think so. Huh. How would you, did you have an, so you did, you said you didn't have, your parents weren't like overtly like political or ideological. They didn't like beat you over the head with anything necessarily. Uh, But did you, would you describe your community as fairly politically minded or ideological, like outside of your family? Like, you know, whether, uh, whether maybe you grew up going to church and, you know, your church family was, you know, I don't know, their big thing was like, raising taxes or 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 your other your extended family you know they they always you know ended up talking to you about x like was there was there a political or ideological like village community around you um, yes uh okay what sticks out to me is i remember that um there was an organization that my parents and my family was a part of called the called udu umaka development union mm-hmm. umaka was a not for the united states to provide services over there so i did sort of um see and understand that mm-hmm. and i remember there was a time my father was the president of the uh the national chapter in the united states so that in some sense kind of gave me a thought of like oh we have to like do some work mm-hmm. to make a place better uh-huh. um but outside of that i don't re- like i wasn't heavily involved in church mm-hmm. Uh, my mother went to church mm-hmm. uh, pretty often, mm-hmm. and you know we had to go to church, and sure. I was young enough, but I resisted. After uh, a while. Like I was, you didn't buy it. No, no, I, I, I really didn't enjoy church. Why? Up. Why? You had to just sit quiet. And I was <laughs> I, and keep in mind Catholic church, right? So, oh, yeah, that's yeah. I grew up in a Catholic church. And it, was, it, was, it was a very Nigerian Catholic church. Like uh. the entire congregation was pretty much Nigerian or West African, uh-huh. and. Um, you sat there mm-hmm. and listened to, you know, a, you know, a white guy sort of, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> preach slow. And, you know, it's just boring. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? So I didn't enjoy that. I enjoyed, like, seeing friends. Sure. Like, um, but it was, I was so happy when it was over. I would always <laughs> want to know what time is it? Are we almost done? Yeah. Let's wrap know. it up. <laughs> but the moment I could say no, mm-hmm. or, you know, you did. I said no, absolutely. Uh-huh. You did, there, like, the idea, like, aside from it being boring, the, like, the content of church also did not appeal to you? You know, I, I so one, I didn't pay that much attention, I'd sure, say, church. Sure. Um, it was boring. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, certainly God, Bible, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I don't know if it, it certainly wasn't... Um, relatable? Appealed to me. Not Maybe not not relatable, but it wasn't like a... Um, it wasn't something I would gravitate to. It wasn't mm. a story that I gravitated towards. Mm, mm, mm. It wasn't something that, like, um, you know, it's not something that sticks out to me. Okay, growing right. up, yeah. But you just you weren't into it in the moment. You were able to just be like, 
we're not doing this anymore. Yeah, and you and were also, just... church felt white. To, like, there was a white person at the head of it for us. Even though it was a, it was a black congregation, it still Even felt white? It felt like... They were like the thing is a, a white person in a black space looks extra white, right? So like you <laughs> know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that was a thing for yeah, me. Sure. Like and then as you get older, like you know your friends aren't going to a quiet church where you like you know, like, you know, you there's sort a of bit see more television and, and like yeah. there's like a whole bunch going on. You should have learned the cadence of like sure. the church. And mm-hmm. your church ain't nothing like that. You <laughs> uh-huh, know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. It's just very stoic. Sure. And um so I think for me, and I, I don't know that I would have called it white before, but sure. that's the language I'm using today. Yeah. Um, but it stood out as different than the images of church mm. for black people that I saw. Gotcha. And it was, you know, I was just weren't into it. Uh, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. What did your parents do for work growing up? What did they do for work growing um, up? Both of them. Well, so my father was a security guard for a while mm-hmm. um, at a hospital. Then eventually started working for the court system. Yeah. Um, as a, I think his title was investigator. I don't know Ooh. exactly what he did. Okay, like for the DA's office? No, no, like literally for the, like like the the Superior Court yeah, of Newark or something. Superior Court of New Jersey. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. So he uh, he worked for the, um, I guess the trial court administ- the court administrator or something. Okay. Um, and my mother was an accountant and ah. she worked for the state as well. Okay. In the uh, Department of Labor. Ah. Um, so. Um, okay. She was, uh, she audited like um, companies and, you know, make sure that they're paying their appropriate taxes and gotcha, stuff like that. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, so when you, so when you got to high school with your teacher, um, you, the, the before and after of her kind of uh, pre- presenting you with a new, a new language or a new way to think about race and class, the before was just kind of like, a, a kind of naturalized idea about meritocracy. Like, yeah. you know, people get where they get because you either work hard or you don't. And that's just how things get sorted. Mm-hmm. After, after, um, after she, she opened your eyes to another way of analyzing life society. Um, it was, you were, you came to understand that like, no, it's not, it's not some naturalized out- outcome. Like there are structural forces that dictate largely, you know, what this group and or class of people, uh, uh, is permitted to do or, or the resources that are given to them so that they can do X, Y, and Z. What do you, was there something, was there some, was there anything like in high school when, once you adopted that, uh, that view um, of things that like, that you came to understand very, very differently than maybe some of your peers? Can you um, think back? Something specific to high, in yeah. high school? Like, was um, there an event or a, or, or uh yeah, yeah. There were certain things. I mean, so one, you know, we had this phenomenon in our cafeteria where we had an old, what we called an old cafeteria and a new cafeteria. Mm-hmm. I guess one is Where'd more you go to high modern. School? Columbia High School ah, in uh, okay. Maplewood. Ah, okay. Um, and the old cafeteria, black folks sat in, the mm. new cafeteria, white folks sat in. So mm. I think you, be- I began to appreciate the segregation mm. of the school, mm. right? So like, and also, you know, some of it is self-selected. We choose to sort of hang out where we choose to hang out yeah. with. So I began to appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, like. I always, you know, it was always a diverse school system, but I've, I always saw it as black, though, because like hmm. everybody I hung out with was. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, you began to see that like, oh, like all of y'all walk home one way. We all walk home the other way. Uh-huh. The cops would follow us if there was a little bit of like noise happening yeah. and they wouldn't go the other way. So I think uh-huh. I began to sort of understand that uh-huh. and began to see how like. You know, ask questions about like disciplinary stuff. Like, mm. I remember there being issues with like the clothes that black girls wore, but not the clothes that white girls wore. Ah. So, the, and that stuff would come up. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know, so I think that that was, um, I began to sort of see that as like all connected by my senior year. Ah. Um, although, you know, still struggling to sort of, you know, form paragraphs around it. But sure. yeah, sure, sure, sure. I definitely started to see that as an issue. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. And do you, do you remember any geopolitical events from that time that, yeah. that, that yeah, this new kind of analysis or framework for understanding like helped you the Iraq War, un- yeah, unlock or grok. What were your what were your thoughts or feelings I, around the Iraq uh, War? I remember we had to write an essay about the war, mm-hmm. like whether we were for or against or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember writing that I was against. Okay, and I remember um saying something about them like they just want to take oil. Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm saying, and my father, I remember like was like, yeah, that's right. They just want to take the oil. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, and I remember the teacher saying, oh, that's just because you had Miss Cooper's class. Uh, was, you yeah, know, yeah, I remember yeah. uh, Mr. Ward saying that to mm-hmm. me. And I was like, huh. And I remember telling Miss Cooper that. And she was like, you know, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, but that, but, but yeah. So I think that kind of seeing 
you know, the United States as a bully, mm-hmm. like also kind of was an outgrowth uh, of beginning to see the world differently. Like I began to not see the United States as this sort of like just pure sort of force for good, mm-hmm. but as a force that was like, you know, certainly it or working in their own interests. Mm-hmm. Like, so we need oil. Okay. We, well, there's, and also this question of we became a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. We need oil. Let's go get some oil. Uh-huh. You know, so uh, I began to see that. You, so you were somehow, you were somehow able to escape the like post 9-11 jingoism though you had very close proximity to new york city you know what i mean like you you didn't get wrapped I didn't up in know the, what like... the world trade center was oh never knew what it was oh like, interesting my imagination of the world trade center was not towers oh. i assumed it was like a market or something oh like that's how removed i was i got gotcha. you okay like we like i you know yeah I'd, I'd never been i don't know if i'd been to new york and if i did it's probably a field trip sure you know so i didn't like have um, a real sense of how it impacted so many people. I do remember gotcha. hearing that my aunt was either supposed to go to New York that day or something like that, but ended up not going or mm-hmm. something got delayed. Mm-hmm. And I remember my parents feeling very fortunate about that, uh, but I didn't know what the world trade center was. Oh, interesting. So okay. I didn't, um, so to get captured and it was probably a little bit like, I don't think I understood just how significant it was. Either. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. So at the end of, at the end of high school with your abominable grades, <laughs> but you, but you, you know, you had this kind of sharper, more incisive understanding of the world and you wanted to first, uh, uh, your 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 you wet your whistle on electoral <laughs> politics. You wanted to anyway with uh, 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 at the school board level. Yeah. Like, what was the plan? Like when you when it was time to graduate, you said you you applied to Howard. You didn't get in because your because your grades were shit. Yeah, but like, <laughs> Thanks. what was, <laughs> I just I mean, <laughs> I appreciate. That. But I'm what right. was what was what was the plan? Like, what did you what did you when you looked out on your life at eighteen? Like. What were you thinking? I was going to go to community college and uh-huh. then go to Howard. Okay. Oh, you still? You were like, I still need to make it to Howard. Oh yeah, I was going to Howard. Like oh, that, I knew that. You, why? My man, because my man, I remember he was in the cafeteria. Uh-huh. You know, Abiola. Uh huh. Uh-huh. So Ab says, um, "I'm going to the Black Harvard." I don't even know if he remembers this, but he told me I'm going to the Black Harvard. Uh-huh. My eyes, like God, why? I said, "Bro, where is that?" <laughs> and he uh-huh. said, "Howard." I said, "I'm going there too." Uh-huh. And then of course I don't get in. Sure. But like I just from that moment had my mind set on Howard. Why? Why? It, what about it? It was black and it was Harvard. The whole idea of like, okay, it's a good school because uh-huh. he called it the Harvard. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. then it was like black people. And at that time, I was super interested in just, you know, uh-huh. my politics were developing. Uh-huh. I was developing a race and, racial and class politics. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be around some black folk, mm-hmm. go to Har- Howard and have this like fantastic time. I see. And okay. So, so the prestige, so the name, the the prestige of, of something, you know, similar to Harvard and then, but black that was all yeah, you needed. Absolutely. And remember, I didn't even know what black colleges were until my senior year at high school. Why? Didn't know. I don't like, know. you didn't know about HBCUs? No, nah, I didn't. So, I was didn't. the, because the whole world was just what, like Rutgers and NYU's or? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I heard of like, you know, the, the all the local colleges and some of the you know, national mm-hmm. names, but didn't know about. You had not been introduced. No. Even I the black American senior? friends you had didn't know about them. Well, they probably did. They didn't talk to me about it. Ah, uh, okay. But until my senior years when I realized, because I remember there was this common application you could yeah, do. Yeah. And then I saw all the, I was like, wow, I saw uh-huh. all these black colleges. So I applied to some of them. Mm-hmm. I like Googled each of them, or I maybe it wasn't Google, I might have used something else. Yeah, Alta but I searched, stuff. Right. <laughs> I searched them. Uh-huh. And then, um, you know, picked like, I don't know, four or five. Which of ones them. did you apply to? I remember applying to Morgan State. Uh-huh. Um, Jeez, that's the one that stands out. Did I apply to Dell? Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe Dell State. Uh-huh. Um, I don't think I applied to Lincoln. The one that I know I applied to was Morgan. I'm not sure why, okay. but De- I think Morgan and Dell State. Okay. Neither of whom ex- nobody accepted me. Huh? Did you didn't get accepted anywhere but community college? Yeah, I didn't get accepted any college. Oh, yeah. okay. So, I yeah, see. I see. I had to. I like had to go to community college. Huh? Yeah. Okay, but you but you looked out on your life. You said I'm going to go to community college. I'm going to do well enough to get in Howard. And th- but did you have an i did you have an idea of like what you wanted to study? Yeah, or I pers- knew I was going to study African American studies at Howard. I, Why? I knew because, uh, that's just kind of where I was politically. Like, I, so no, but me, but no, but if you know, that's not just yes, a, that didn't ju- that didn't just occur to you because you could have just been a poli sci major. You could no. have been a history major. Like, why FM? I, I don't. I guess. Well, I remember asking Miss um, Cooper the question of mm-hmm. whether I should do African or African American studies, uh-huh. and she said do African American studies because it captures both. Ah. I remember her telling me that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I minored in poli sci, but I kind of was. At a space where I wanted to study history, I wanted to know what happened. I'm, and I remember asking, but why my, specifically a black history, and not just like why didn't you want to become an expert on you know the goddamn Renaissance or you know you know um, 
maybe because, you know, when I thought about history, I thought about my place in it. And I think so much of it was just like, you know, Mm. I felt like, you know, race was so central to my identity at the time Mm. that, you know, I just sort of when I I don't I didn't think of history outside of myself in Mm. that sense. So, I mean, it just seemed natural to think about African or African-American studies. Uh Um, Why do you why do you think this seems like an obvious and silly question, but there's something here. Why? Why was race so central to your identity at that point? Was it because you 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 went you you, maybe during your teenage years, something happened or or something you experienced or starting to observe made you understand unequivocally that you weren't just a person who happened to be black, but you were a black person. You understand what I'm saying? Were you treated were you treated yeah, like that, a black person? Yeah, I think that, you know, I was placed in all, you know, at the time, the honors classes were level four. Uh-huh. I was placed in all honors classes. The other black people in the class, except for maybe one, and I'm not even sure. And it's mm. only because I don't, I never asked them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone else contracted up, which means that like, so in sixth grade, what you could do is you could, um, your parents could sign an agreement mm-hmm. that if you do A, B, C, and D, you you can move from level three to honors. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to. I was. I had all my friends were not there. Uh, I go from having classes with everybody mm-hmm. to a very sharp contrast with just white kids. Uh, it was the lo- like the two loneliest times, the most difficult times, sixth grade uh, and law school. Ha, ha, ha. Those are the biggest transitions from Howard to law school uh-huh. and from fifth grade to sixth grade. Uh-huh. You know, it wasn't from high school to college or community college to Howard. Uh-huh. It was those two. And it was such a sharp contrast. Because? Because I was the only black person but there. But what did that mean? But something like it, it something's wrong. Like I'm lonely. Uh, like where are my friends but, at? Uh, okay. That's where it started. Is it be, when you say I'm, I'm lonely where my friends at is that uh, I don't I'm not understood socially. I can't I the the other children don't want to connect with me or I don't feel like I can connect with them. What does that mean? Well, I think part of it is that like, you know, the white kids pretty much like live on a different side of town. Uh, I don't walk home with any of these people. Uh, we don't like hang out before school or after school. Uh-huh. We're not together over the summer. You weren't time. even you weren't even tempted to like do that. Like flip the switch and become like I mean this is a this is a terrible trope, but become like the black kid who just hangs out with white kids to make things easier for yourself. No, nah, I don't think I ever kind of okay. like that. Never was a thing. I uh-huh. just remember there are things that I learned. I remember, I don't know what was, I don't know, it's not pokey. It was some other car game that uh-huh. people played. Like, mm-hmm. I just remember all of it was like weird to me, mm-hmm. but I did learn chess. Mm-hmm. I did mm-hmm. learn how to play chess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was fun. But the, uh, you know who taught me chess? Mm-hmm. One of the black kids who contracted up who's a close and dear friend of mine today. Oh, wow. He wow. taught me chess. It wasn't, you know. Ah, uh, okay. So. so you, but so you, you came to understand yourself as black and it was important for you to explore yourself and, and the history of how you came to be, how your community came to be, your family, the your friends and their families came to be. That's what was important for you to do. I, I believe so. I mean, and I think when I think I also took in, in high school, I ended up taking a, um, what was the class called? It might have been African-American history or something like that. I took an African-American history course. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember being introduced to the empires of Mali, Ghana and Shanghai. Uh-huh. Like, so it was sort of like. There was a whole sort of from, I'd say, my junior to senior year, mm-hmm. this sort of introduction to a range of things, some of it on my own. Mm-hmm. Like I chose to read, read um, I read uh, the autobiography of Malcolm X the summer before my senior year. Mm-hmm. I read Up From Slavery by mm-hmm. Booker T. Washington. Mm-hmm. I tried to read Souls of Black Folk. Got way lost. Guilty <laughs> to the, I didn't know what Du Bois was talking about. So <laughs> sure. I was too young to try that. Uh-huh. And actually, funny enough, I actually... Um, and uh, my cousin, he had uh, he was in college at the time. Mm-hmm. So on his refrigerator, he got an A on some paper in college. And it was about somebody who impacted him. Mm-hmm. You know who it was? Miss Cooper. Ah, okay. So, and, th- and so to be honest with you, I went to the school. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if I shared this with Miss Cooper, but I went to the school because I took a sociology. She taught sociology. Uh, there was a sociology school. elective that you could take. Uh, yeah. And uh-huh. so there were two teachers teaching it. Uh-huh. I got my schedule switched to be in her class. Uh-huh. So there was something in I think that like it was a transformation that was happening within mm-hmm. that I think she sort of helped bring out ah. fully. So okay. um and I think all of it had to I mean, I think read Malcolm will have you thinking about race in some sure. very deep ways. Sure. Um and uh you know, I guess there's other political works I could have tried, but I mean just those were the ones that I gravitated toward at that time. Ah. And I think all of it sort of shaped who I became around okay. um wanting to study, you know, black people and sure our responses and all that stuff and how we got here yeah and i asked i said i want to understand the history of the world she said okay i said what book should i start with Mm -hmm. i remember i still remember the two books she said she said i'm gonna give david walker's appeal Ah. and pedagogy of the oppressed 
my pile of free Well, aid. that'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I was doing. I was uh, struggling through Pedagogy of the Oppressed, but I was reading it. Sure, sure, sure. You know what I'm saying? I remember I would write down all the names of people that came up that I didn't know, mm. and I would search them. Oh. That's how I learned about who Mal was. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Because I searched. I'm like, Mal's a done. He keeps coming up in this thing, uh-huh. like in a footnotes or something. Like, who the hell yeah. is Mal? Yeah. You know? So. But, it was, but, it was, but it was fascinating or interesting enough for you to want to elect to dive deeper on your oh, own. Oh, definitely. Okay. Definitely. Because what? There was, there's just, there's just more to understand, and I want to, I want to understand as much as I can about absolutely worldwide struggles and, it, and how we could change the world. Because uh, I realized, because because in understanding the world, like again, she she taught me how dynamic it was, right? Huh. Like the world isn't fixed. Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm saying we have an opportunity to make to to build something different. Mm-hmm. So we can, you know, we can use our imaginations to imagine something fundamentally different if we're willing to organize for it. Ah, and so trying to figure out how to do that became the thing and then but why was that so important for you to kind of figure out what was it that you were looking to change was it just the composition of the cafeteria was it was it the composition of your neighborhood why was it important for you to un- I think it to- all became a microcosm of the world like it becomes because <laughs> everything because I, I don't know that I, I put it all together at that time but if I'm trying to think back you have the Iraq war going on mm-hmm. and at that time I, I believed that the United States was involved because of oil uh-huh. I also knew that Iraqis weren't white uh-huh. you know my family's Nigerian I knew that Nigeria was an oil rich country uh-huh. right so I also knew that like Nigeria had crushing poverty yeah. and they also had crushing poverty next to wealth. So I knew that yeah. people had money in Nigeria too. Uh-huh. So that was a weird thing, uh-huh. even if I didn't have language at the time. Uh-huh. Uh, when I think about the classrooms I was in, uh-huh. you know, I was in a classroom with all white people. I did something wrong. Go back to black people. Right. Uh-huh. Like I understood that was happening. Uh-huh. Um, and I also understood that the person who wrapped their arms around me mm-hmm. to like sort of help me uh, better understand the world, what I was experiencing and sort of like you know, you got something that we have to nurture here was a black woman. Ah. You know what I'm saying? So that's, so all of those things are kind of happening at the same time. Okay. And I think as I reflect, I think some of them might have been interrelated. And then I began to think like, okay, like other people, change. like we could, we could, I just never, I always kind of felt like I could do something. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? So uh-huh. I was like, yeah, right, let's do it. Like, uh-huh. let's kind of figure this thing out. Uh-huh. And I wanted to be a teacher. Huh. That's what I wanted to do because Miss Cooper was a teacher. I wanted to be like Miss Cooper at the oh, time. Like okay. she became the person I wanted to be like. Oh, interesting. You know what I'm saying? So I, she was a teacher. I said, I'm going to teach history in high school. Ah, because I want to do for other children what Absolutely. was done for me. Okay. Absolutely. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And then I meet other people. Like when I was in community college, like mm-hmm. Alfred Olivi, like uh, Professor Olivi was like a huge influence for me. White guy. What did he teach? Guy. English. Ah, okay. So English. One, I mean, he was the first person that kind of got me reading alternative news sources. Ah. Like, he, like what? Counterpunch. I remember huh. he introduced me to Alternet back then. Huh. This was 2004 or 5. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he was giving me all the like, common dreams because uh-huh. he would come to the class and he would sometimes share the art. Like he would like he would even like read the article in class uh-huh. to like introduce people to it. And I would say, hey, where's that from? Uh-huh. And he would just write it on the board for me. Uh-huh. And then I was like, OK, I'm going to go find this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then I started to read. I mean, he was like hugely instrumental in like kind of getting me to like. Really, because like Miss Cooper introduced me to books, uh-huh. but he was the one who sort of introduced me to all these different news sources, ah. and I used to just start devouring that stuff every Why? morning. Why? Democracy Why? Now. Why? I wanted to understand everything. Okay, is this was to... a new way of understanding things, or these were new things to be understood? I think it was both, right? Uh, like, because okay. I think that first you think the Star Ledger, which is our newspaper, uh-huh. is the way that you read news yeah. and information. Yeah, and then he talking about this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, no, you got to read this, uh-huh. and I'm like, yeah, what's in that? Huh. And so then you start to look at some of that stuff, and yeah. it's like, oh wow, like. Mm people that like asking different questions Ah. and talking about different things Ah. like and counterpunch was dope because like it was you know talked about the world like it wasn't just the united states right so i would that was like my favorite source Ah. and then democracy now of course he gets me on democracy now so then it's like it's on from Uh, there okay and then you start to learn some other stuff on your own Uh and we began to share articles with each other Ah. so the students or you and and him oh okay we shared articles Uh with each other Uh and so he would like you know, I'd say, hey, did you see this one? Uh-huh. You know, what about that one? And uh-huh. so it just becomes. What did you understand of his worldview? Um, this professor. I understood that he was like a left wing guy. What did I, that mean to you at the time? At the time. How did you conceptualize I felt like that? He wanted, we wanted the same world. like Which was? Mean, which was? Oh, which how, was one. That, I mean, I, today I would say a world. No, 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 no. Okay. no. How would you have described it then? Um, we want the same world and that like means a just world like uh, a world that was fair to people that okay. treated people kindly and he was really like he was so kind uh, like he treated people really well and like I remember like if someone fell asleep in class mm-hmm. like he wanted to know like oh did you work did you have a late, late night shift yeah, yeah, it wasn't yeah. like he didn't chastise anybody ever mm. never raised his voice he was super I remember I fell asleep in class once and he asked me mm-hmm. he's like hey what's going on man you've been working a lot what's yeah. going on I'm like nah, nah I didn't have a real good excuse sure. but <laughs> Just tired. you know but he like asked that question and mm. I'm like that's really interesting <laughs> you know what I'm saying <laughs> and like he was he was just like um 
you could tell that he he just the empathy that he had. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's just like it was it was dope. Okay. You know, he was very empathetic and I thought that um you know, just watching him was like special to me. Like mm-hmm. I, I like the way he interacted with everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, but he was quiet but like just very kind, mm-hmm. you know. People liked him. Uh, you know, I remember people said his class was easy too. <laughs> but you know, I think what they really meant was he treated us well. Uh, I see. You, know what I'm saying? you didn't have to like you didn't you didn't get tense thinking about going to class with yeah. the Professor. What was his name? Olivia. But professor Olivia. Like you, it was it was enjoyable. It was easy. Yeah. Easy in terms of like, uh, like the the experience of it, not necessarily yeah. the content. And class wasn't designed as punishment. It wasn't trying uh. to like just inundate you with a whole bunch of stuff it was like okay let's read this thing uh-huh. and let's talk about this ah. thing and some people participated and some people didn't but he never gave up on nobody like mm. he still came with articles mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying because some because you're gonna open up a mind right uh-huh. and it happened to be that he was able to open up mine mm-hmm. you know introduce me to something that till this day i mean this morning i read counterpunch right of like, <laughs> because like and that comes from him yeah you know what i'm saying like oh, okay. i think that that was like a cheat code like yeah. to information sure sure you know what i'm saying and so then it goes to doc right eventually sure. you meet doc and then doc introduces Jeez. you to a whole bunch of stuff right yeah. So like educators have had like a profound influence, black woman, white man, black man. And mm-hmm. then even going to law school, you meet people who like just continue to open your mind. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I think I've been like way lucky when it came to educate educators. Like because they have poured into me in ways that like no like other than my parents. Yeah. Like they pour they poured into. me. Why do you think they did that? Do you think they do you think they saw something in you? Do they do you think that they were trying to draw something out of you? Do, do you think that they were trying to they, they, uh, they were trying to uh, halt something in order? to for something else to flourish what do you why do you think i think all of the above but i don't i never felt it was unique to me i think hmm. that maybe i took to it a little bit maybe it was but I, hmm. I felt like i just took to it like mm-hmm. right like i think that you know if olivia brings an article about common dream from common dreams i just i i think i took to it a little bit but i think he was trying to get everybody to take to it uh. i think he was trying to drop a nugget for other people hmm. so i suspect that there are probably some others who Later on down the line, like said, you know, what did that thing that he said was? Mm-hmm. And then maybe have looked at it. Mm-hmm. But for me, in that moment, I think I expressed uh, a little bit of a deeper interest. And every time I express interest, he just have kind of like like rewarded that with like, okay, like I'll show you love back. Ah, um, I see. Were so, there other courses in community college that you really enjoyed, or or were you starting to, uh, or had you already begun to develop a a better relationship with like? community college because you there was some manner of choosing that you got to do about what you studied and it wasn't it wasn't all like dictated to you this was more like you getting to say okay let me follow my interest let me take let me let me learn about this let me learn about that what was that like yeah i think for me i, be, I was reading right mm-hmm. um a little bit more and so i would like feel like i had to learn mm-hmm. mostly outside of school ah. and then i had to get good grades i see like i began to kind of differentiate the ah. two uh-huh. Um, in that moment because I kind of knew I needed to like do better sure it's like all right, I can't you know I gotta like right. get some decent grades and like get my life together yeah, so yeah, yeah. I tried to do that mm-hmm. but at the same time I felt like I had to learn mm-hmm. in these sort of like uh, independent ways. ways like yeah ah. you had to kind of like get your own stuff going or uh-huh. like work with the people who are trying to secretly give you real information mm-hmm. while at the same time understanding that like okay you gotta like get an A in this person's sure. class in sure. order to move sure. on Huh. So I think I began to do that. But there was another course. Uh, there's a guy named Linworth Gunther mm-hmm. who taught um, an African-American studies course mm-hmm. um, that I had. I remember that. It was it was interesting. I think I've grown uh, um, as much as I appreciated. I think I've probably developed a slightly different worldview than him. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was still, a you know, still a fun course. You know, he was a world of information. Mm. Um, I, I distinctly remember... Um, that's the first guy I remember hugging. He hugged me, and I uh. thought it was weird. He hugged me and like kissed me on the head. I was like, "Whoa!" That was. I remember that. That like stands out to me. Like I don't remember. Hugging Why was nobody. that so fucking weird? Nobody hugged. I, you know, it's like it was different. Like I, today, it You're sounds so small, New Jersey. but I can't you know, at the time, it. it was like, "Oh wow!" <laughs> like okay. Yeah, he kissed me. I go to head. Like I was like, okay, it's you know. But also, I think it's you know his love for students. Sure, yeah, sure. You know, that's so funny. But that stands out to me. Uh, okay, so you got it <laughs> together, and you were able to you were able to transfer into Howard. Were you were you were you relieved, or did you know that you were going to be able to do it? So it's just like here we go. No, I believed I would do it. I, was, okay. I didn't. I felt like I would do it. Okay. Like, I felt like if I like kind of worked at it, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I've always kind of had that mindset that sure, if I was sure. just like. Once I make up my mind about it and I do it, it's we're gonna we're just gonna do it. We're yeah, gonna I move believe forward. that at the time. Uh-huh. And the thing is, I didn't go str- I, so I could have left after a year, mm-hmm. but I was running for office, 
and in for my the, mind, for a public school board, for school board, uh-huh. I was gonna, of course, I was gonna win. Yeah. And so once I won, I had to stay here and not go to Howard. I had to sacrifice Howard. Ah. And so I figured that I was gonna have to stay here. Mm-hmm. And then when I lost, I'm like, oh well, guess I can go oh. to Howard. So were then you, I were you crushed when you lost? Yes, but yes, but crushed maybe. I was disappointed. Okay. Um, I was like, huh? Like, huh. I kind of, I don't, in my mind, I, I just thought, I just figured that, okay, like, we running for office, we mm-hmm. right on the issues. Uh-huh. I felt like we gave them work in them debates. Uh-huh. Like, I felt like we was young, we was giving them the business. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, we, so I just felt like, you know, uh-huh. we going to do this thing. Okay. And then when the results came in, I was like, oh, mm. okay. Mm. But in retrospect, you think about how much you did, like, yeah, we debated. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, you know, we tried to talk to voters and stuff like that, but it wasn't as robust as w- what I would learn that you would have to do sure. in order to win a race. Yeah. And so, um, but being young, you know, and also the excitement of, okay, like I guess I'm going to just like go to apply to law schools and go to Howard, uh-huh. um, was also a thing. Okay. So, All right. But yeah. you, so, but you, uh, did you, did you, what, when you were running for office, mm-hmm. uh, for school board, did you think that it. That, that was your conception of of uh, doing well as a politician or or becoming a politician that you you just have to be right on the issues and, oh, and yeah, that'll that take time, care yes. of everything. Yes, ah, okay. I believe I think that taught me it's not enough to be right. Ah, like that's okay. what it taught me. Like I firmly believe that like our like one I just felt like the the cons- ideological consistency of our points were just way better. Mm-hmm. Like you couldn't explain why tracking should exist outside of saying that like it's okay that black people are mistreated. That's uh, what I felt. Uh. So unless y'all are willing to make that point, mm-hmm. then you kind of got to be with us. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? That's the way I felt. Uh-huh. But obviously not, right? Sure, sure. Um, and so, and though we lost the race, I mean, there's other things that we won. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So there was a lot of issues that were happening at the time that mm-hmm. I think we were able to kind of make some progress on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we the, the principal left. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, you know, in New Jersey, you can get tenure. She didn't get tenure. Mm-hmm. Um, the tracking system that we talked about that began in sixth, began in seventh grade. Mm-hmm. So that um, that was helpful. Okay. Um, and I think it stopped altogether for science and social studies mm-hmm. in middle school oh, right and began in high school. So there was some progress. So there was there were conversations that preceded us, of course, about how tracking was wrong. Sure. I think between the race. Between a principal who I think was uh, was controversial, mm. between the students like organizing and walking out, like it was a, bu- a bunch of stuff happening at sure. that time. And even today, there was um, they settled a lawsuit mm. uh, with an organization called the Black Parents Workshop, which mm. is a community based organization in Maple and South Orange mm-hmm. that you know said that black students were you know not getting the same opportunities as white kids. Mm. And so the settlement, I'm not sure all that's in it, sure. but the whole idea is that like we have to do something different. Gotcha. You know. So, I see. Okay. Yeah. So when you got to Howard. And you you knew what you wanted to major in, like, and you, I mean, you know, you you arrived. You you've been thinking about going to the Black Harvard since senior year when your friend, you know, brought this up to you. Like, what yeah. was that like? Did you lose your mind? We all know um, the answer is yes, but go ahead and say I what said, you need to say. Well, first, I was like, <laughs> well, I went to Meridian and yeah. I saw my dorm room and I said, wait a minute, shut up. This is not what I was expecting. Like. <laughs> I was like, my so mind dumb. looked was like what I imagined <laughs> was going to be was not the case. Sure, so the sure, facilities sure. didn't quite beat it. <laughs> no, uh, but Ooh, the, when I finally funny. started to get around people, mm-hmm. that was like okay, <laughs> like yeah, this is this is what I need to be. This, this is the right choice. This was the right choice. Uh-huh. And then and then like um, also looking for um for uh spaces like I, I immediately wanted to get involved in like what was happening mm-hmm. so the Kwame Ture Society mm-hmm. I saw a flyer I'm mm-hmm. like okay I'm gonna go to that why were you were you familiar with Kwame who Kwame no, Ture was so I what wasn't. was the thing that was just like it was like the African-American studies thing uh-huh. so they made it seem like it was like the African-American studies thing to do yeah so I said okay well I'm I going to that but I like it. searched who he was, sure, was oh sure, that's sure. Sophie Carmichael I didn't know that ah, okay. um and not that I knew much about Sophie Carmichael but the name Stokely Carmichael resonated more than the name Kwame Ture at the time um so started going to those th- those meetings, mm-hmm. met different people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I remember somebody said, you got to meet uh, Dr. Carr. Mm-hmm. I think it was Ava might have told me that I needed sure. to meet Dr. Carr. And um, I was like, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I met him and he was just like Everything. so warm and kind and brilliant. Yes. And he like, you know, he wrapped his arms around yeah, me. So yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, that's love. And uh. so I took, I eventually took his class, but I feel like I got close to him before I ever took a class. Uh. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So um, had that, I, I wanted to be, Involved in more organizing. So the uh, Amnesty International chapter mm-hmm. of, at Howard, I joined that. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually meeting uh, Dr. Green mm-hmm. and like, you know, and of course he was a Marxist and, mm-hmm. you know, just sort of like it just opens more and more worlds. Did you, did you, uh, well, how would you describe your, <clears throat> 
how would you describe your ideological development at Howard? Like, was it, for instance, I'm not saying this was the case, but for instance, did you did you begin to start reading uh, Marx very deeply as a result of uh, Dr. Green? Did you begin to start understanding uh, Pan-Africanism very deeply um, or, or, or that was just a continuation of what you had started reading in community college? Like what was the, wow, what was the, how are you, how are you uh, metabolizing all, all of this, you know, this world of uh, new thought, information, um, scholarship, Etc. Yeah, I started reading Marx in community college. I oh, read okay. uh, uh, the Communist Manifesto, mm. started looking at that in community college. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that at Howard, though, I felt like there was a thirst for something blacker for me always. Ah. Like there was a thirst for that. Like, mm. I wonder what the sort of like, OK, there's Marx. Like, who's the black guy? Like, uh-huh. I was, you know, first you start <laughs> off like simple like that. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like, you know, so you're looking for something. Mm-hmm. And um, eventually, I, I want to say I probably got introduced to Pan-Africanism in a meaningful way at Howard, uh. like sort of understanding what it was mm-hmm. and why it was valuable. Mm-hmm. And um, of course, like, you know, Kwame Ture, like sure. actually when you join the organization, I started to listen to his lectures mm-hmm. and of course, Red, Ready for Revolution and eventually um, Stokely Speaks and mm-hmm. a little bit of Black Power. I don't think I actually finished Black Power. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh but yeah, so I think that, um, but but um, but Dr. Green, I mean, he did introduce me to, you know, like I spent more time, like I didn't read Lenin until I got to like uh, Howard, um, you know. So I think I, I think he helped me sort of develop a little bit. But I also think I rejected the some old of, white guys. Not just that, like the whole, you know, he's a member of the Progressive Labor Party. Uh-huh. Um, and, um, you know, I'm friends with, of course, him. And it's actually somebody, my neighbor is a member of the Progressive Labor Party, funny enough, mm-hmm. and knows Dr. Green really well. Mm-hmm. So it's a small world. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it didn't resonate with me. Like, they <laughs> didn't have a race analysis at all for me. Ah. You know, and I'm just like, wait, what about, like, how do you explain? It was too like, much class, not enough race. It was almost exclusively class. Ah. Like, I don't think. Why they, did you reject? Why did you reject that? Because my experience told me that that wasn't the case. That like, it can't just be class. No, because why? I'm seeing because I'm in I'm in a I'm in a I'm in a suburb uh-huh. where there's black kids and there's white kids. Mm-hmm. Some of the black children, though, not perhaps not a majority, uh-huh. aren't poor, uh-huh. you know, certainly, are you know, doing relatively decent uh-huh. and are having similar experiences uh-huh. to like the other black kids. Like there was like clearly like my experience growing up was race ah. like race was like was is very uh visible uh-huh. you know and uh in retrospect race class as, was too a, but i think the thing that stood out to me was the race racial element i see race as the as the salient differentiator with respect to treatment resource allocation tracking mm-hmm. i see okay. yeah race so, seemed like the thing like i mean look think about newark you think uh, about newark versus the suburb newark was black the mm-hmm. suburb's not mm-hmm. so you sort of in, in new jersey a segregate you know you know sure. residential segregation but what would some, you say to someone i'm not i'm not arguing with you i'm sure, just saying sure. what would you say to someone who said yeah newark is black but newark is black and poor that's that's the that's the big difference yeah but newark wasn't always poor newark mm-hmm. was only poor like when like it became predominantly black right because newark is a i mean white people lived in newark and newark was a city that was you know was bustling it was you know the suburbs weren't always where it was at right Mm -hmm. it became where it was at once there was sort of this like white flight and i would argue it became where it's at when industry moves out and things like that sure but ultimately newark wasn't always poor Uh you know what i'm saying it becomes poor many of these places become poor over time Uh and as they become poor they become blacker Uh but i also recognize i'm clear that like class is like is deep, but I think it's this confluence of race and class ah. that produces the world that we have Wait, and gender. Yes, yes, yes. Of course, I would. I want to tear you there for a second. What? How? How were you able to synthesize these ideas together? Because it's very, and maybe, maybe I'm not giving you enough credit, but for many people, I'm talking to myself right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's very easy to like fall on one side of the line or other. Like it is, it is just class. It is just race. How? How were you, or were you? at some point able to synthesize the two like what how did that how did those two um uh, uh analyses come together i think the thinkers that i was introduced to always thought about both of them. like whom um so i think uh let's say uh du bois mm-hmm. you know he thought about both of them um let's say kwame Ture, mm-hmm. you know he thought about both of them um so and then later of course eventually a cedric robinson or you yep. know other folks but that took a while for me to get to sure sure but um the kill pal saying though he's not a black person i mean all yeah, of these yeah, folks yeah. like thought of both mm-hmm. um so i think that helped yeah um and also like both also spoke to like my experiences i also knew that oprah was like a wealthy person like yeah, i knew yeah, that yeah. like there are like michael you know there's there's there are 
wealthy black people yeah. and that doesn't like necessarily deal with the challenge that we have. Yeah. And I don't um you just think about the organizations, like you know, you learn a little bit about the Black Panther Party. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to sort of just like the goal isn't to have like, you know, the same percentage of black billionaires as you have black people in the world, sure, right? Like that's sure. not what we want. We want a redistribution of wealth so that everybody mm-hmm. has a meaningful opportunity to like, ah. you know, live a full life. Mm. Like so um And you were coming to understand that while you were at Howard? I would say yeah, in college generally. Okay. So I'd say like okay. that sort of community college Howard space. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Because I because communism wasn't a bad word for me. Socialism wasn't a bad word for me. At in Howard. College. Oh at Howard, absolutely not. It was not a bad word for me. I was I pushed back. I pushed I was so it's funny because I remember in the Kwame race space, mm. I probably was um too class oriented mm-hmm. and then in some other spaces i was probably too race oriented uh-huh. so i always yeah. felt like i was like too one of the yeah. other some yeah. people yeah. um but I, I felt like we needed a deeper class analysis yeah. and i was like saying well let's read stokely then like, uh-huh. let's read his work because uh-huh. he's saying the same thing he's yeah. saying we need a class analysis yeah. too so i think that we can have but i think that we can have both mm-hmm. you know and i think that a synthesis is required to understand the world like the uh, world is a simple uh-huh. you know you can't understand it and just by saying you know like oh you know, black people got killed by the police, so it's just because they're black. Well, yes, that's a significant part of it. Yeah. But, but here's also. what police's police role is, right? Yeah. The police role is both to protect private property mm-hmm. and to surveil black people, mm-hmm. right? So, like, those two things kind of come together. Mm-hmm. So, mm, interesting. Okay. Uh, what? Um, so, how would you? Uh, when it? When it? Uh, so, generally speaking, how would you describe your experience at Howard if you were, you know, if like a if an alien were to come down and ask you like, Oh, what was that like? Well, like what that period of your life was like, how would you have described it? I think, um, so just kind of going back to Kwame Ture, his <laughs> chapter in ready for revolution. I think he says Howard university, like everything in its opposite, something mm-hmm. like that. And mm-hmm. I think that that's the case. I think Howard like kind of gives you the range of everything, like huh. the range of the black experience. Yes. Right. <laughs> like it, it's the most diverse place I've been. I don't uh, care what nobody say, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's people from all around the country, people from all around the world, that's right. all descend on this place called Howard. That's so, right. I think that it introduced, like, I remember meeting a black guy from Alaska. I'm like, Alaska? Yeah, I'm like, what? like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that mm-hmm. was kind of crazy to me. Yeah, and yeah. so, but, you know, you sort of get to learn about how black people everywhere experience the world. Yeah. And just kind of see how there's kind of similar strands within it, but also the differences. Yeah. So that was dope. Um, you see people who have, like, thoughtful politics, radical politics, nationalist politics, like, you know, dem- traditional liberal democratic uh, politics yeah. and then some conservative politics. Oh, like yeah. All of it existed in the same space. Uh-huh. And so I think that, you know, Howard was kind of a little bit of everything. And then socially, mm-hmm. you have this like wonderful time. Yeah. But you can also have this wonderful time and then show up to the study group on Thursday. Yeah, you know what I'm right. saying? Like right. it was kind of like everything for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Like it's still the best like two years of my life mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it like I, I don't think I've ever experienced that kind of range. Ah. And I don't know that I'll ever be able to again. I see. So, Interesting. No, it's, that's yeah. very everything in its opposite. That's yeah. exactly right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, at the end love. of huh? I said Howard was love. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. it. Um, at the end of college, you—I mean, I know a little bit about your story, so that's why. I'm, but you—you you decided to go to law school. Why did you? Why did you change your mind from being uh, a high school history teacher to going to law school? Like, what? What did the plan? morph into yeah i think that you know the sort of so i went i think i went from wanting to be like miss cooper to wanting to be like dr carr <laughs> you know what I'm so, but also both of them they're really in my mind are the same person in many yeah. respects but um and so i was looking at doc and i wanted to be do, do a phd uh-huh. you know and so, oh you oh that was the plan yeah i was gonna do a phd in so, fact and you wanted to do the jd along the way like he did yeah so he told me to do both Huh. He, I don't know if he remembers this, but I was in South Africa. I remember asking him, I said, okay, I want to, like, you know, you know, people kind of telling me, you should. and I said, okay. And he said to do law school first, which was his, I don't know if he remembers this, uh-huh. but he said that um, I should do law school first. Like he said, I think he might have said law school is more difficult even. Ah. But um, I don't know if that's actually true. Uh-huh. But um, What did he explain his thinking on, on, other than law school is more difficult? Like why, what made sense, why that made know. sense to him? I don't I don't recall the an explanation, but I do remember him saying um, do both and lost. I remember remember him saying law school first. OK. All right. Uh, you know, and I, and he may have been saying like as a joint degree, though, uh-huh. you know, and at the time, um, you know, and I, I began to think more critically about law school because, you know, we went to South Africa. Yeah. And I think just the, the whole experience of South Africa, just sort of seeing how a country, you know, one, of course, they ended apartheid. Yeah. Um, at least formal apartheid. 
And then, you know, you talk about rewriting the Constitution and, and really creating one of the most progressive constitutions in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and you think about the key figures, Nelson Mandela's of the world, the mm-hmm. Robert Sabuque's of the world. Mm-hmm. Mandela, of course, being a lawyer, Robert Sabuque studying law while he was while he was incarcerated. Mm-hmm. You know, law kind of began to like, it's almost like I felt like I was getting some signs about law school. Uh. And so, um, and when I thought about law school, I thought about the international context, though. Uh, I never, like, imagined myself being, like, like a, a criminal tr- defense yeah, lawyer. Like a trial or, lawyer. Nah. Uh-huh. It was like, how do, I was thinking about, like, you know, Malcolm talked about, we're going to take our case to the, you know, international, you know, community, like yep. the international courts. I was thinking of, like, that element of law. Uh-huh. You know, so that's what I was excited about. Uh-huh. Um, and so when I came back from South Africa, I signed up for test masters to take the uh, LSAT. To, to take the LSAT. Okay. Um took the course you know and in the, the, the experience your summer study in uh south africa specifically was yeah. what what drove home the 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 desire for i'd say that's the sort of the the, the final thing that kind of like drove gotcha. me home i think i was thinking about it some friends were talking about doing it like different folks were kind of exploring different things mm-hmm. and um you know that was like you know what yeah law school is mm-hmm. kind of what i'm gonna do next okay and then i was gonna go and still do the phd though and these two things were you were you were going to pursue these two things why like with the with the desire to do what or or um, achieve what yeah i think when i thought about like um my life i thought about it like a uh like the the the, the people who professionally kind of like looked like what i wanted to do were like randall robinson for example mm-hmm. like randall robinson he led trans africa yeah. he was this like you know he was a civil rights figure but focused on the international context yeah. i was always excited about the international context uh-huh. so um he was somebody who stood out another person uh-huh. that stood out for me was like a um was like a ron walters uh-huh. you know so ron walters was this uh he was an academic in the sense that he was a professor mm-hmm. but he was also very involved in a range of organizing projects mm-hmm. including jesse's uh two campaigns mm-hmm. right so those are the things that kind of stood out to me. Mm-hmm. So I never wanted to just maybe be um, in a classroom mm-hmm. or to maybe just be at like some sort of nonprofit space. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to figure out how to bring all the worlds together. Uh, and in my mind, that was how I was going to do it. I see. I see. Um, you know, it didn't quite work out that way. But <laughs> uh-huh. that's uh, what I intended. That was the doing. initial thought. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. All right. So glad my brother got them grades up out the gutter. <laughs> uh, now, part two is where things get real spicy when he runs for office and has to contend with a snake, who happens to be the mayor, undermining his campaign. What's wild about it is that the mayor is also, quote, on the left. It's really ridiculous and upsetting, but instructive and insightful, too. Part two is up on the Patreon at patreon.com slash what's left to do. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash what's left to do. If you'd rather support this work by leaving a little love offering in the tip jar, please head on over to what's left to do dot com slash support. Okay, see you over on Patreon. <laughs>